And as you find your seats, if you'll turn with your Bibles, and if you don't have a Bible, there's one there right in front of you, you can use. Uh, today we're going to wrap up our sermon series for the rescue of us all. This is seven weeks that we've been looking at some themes in the book of Exodus of how God rescues and loves his people. It's amazing that the second book of the Bible is going to tell us so much about the whole story of the Bible. And today we're going to look at the beautiful reality that God chooses to tabernacle to hang out with us. Where God's people are, that's where God wants to be. Where God's people find themselves in different places, even in the wilderness, hanging out in tents. God's going to say, hey, make me a tent. I want to hang out with my people. I mean, how amazingly gracious of our great God who always meets us right where we are and, and enters into the conditions that we find ourselves in. Man, Emmanuel, a, a God with us. How amazingly grateful uh, we really are. So, everybody, good family Thanksgiving. We've heard some praises, uh, some good times that was had. Uh, getting together uh, for Thanksgiving uh, is not always easy, is it? Uh, some of the logistics of that, it's kind of like planes, trains, and automobiles. Um, those aren't pillows. Uh, but anyway, um, you know, we think of the reality of uh, trying to, to get with family. It's not always easy. It often tra travel can prove to be a bit of a nightmare. Throw in a little thing called COVID. Uh, Traveling is a little bit different these days. And then for those married folks uh, that have uh, folks in town on both sides, uh, how was that? How was splitting time with the in-laws and the outlaws? You know, how was time checking all the boxes, right? I got to go over here for this, got to go over there for that. You know, I mean, you're probably like, oh my gosh, when this is going to be over with, you know? And for some of you, you just had a great time. You have no idea what we're talking about. We're kind of angry with you right now. But uh, um, anyway, oftentimes logistically not easy getting together with family. It really isn't. And then once we get together, what do we do? We work hard that chaos doesn't break out, right? I mean, all of a sudden, we're all together. We're, we're together, darn it. Everybody's got to be thankful. <laughs> we're together. We love each other. <laughs> Have we forgotten that? And we work hard to keep chaos from, from kind of breaking out and taking over. Uh, you know, I had the privilege of going up with Katie and our, our youngest uh, daughter, Allie. We flew up to Norfolk to be with the Flemings, our oldest daughter, and they're three uh, beautiful kids. Uh, the twins just turned a year. Uh, Polly is now three. Uh, Todd is working like crazy. He's a doctor. So chaos is what it's all about. You know, it's, it's, it's fantastic. Uh, Thanksgiving Day, the heater goes out, which also controls the hot water heater. You find out you go for a long family walk. All you can think about is, man, I can't wait for a warm shower. And you come home and not one bit of warm water anywhere to be had. That's my big deal, you know I mean? So 24 hours without a shower, no hot water. We somehow survived, but it was fantastic. But what we're going to look at this morning is God has a relentless desire. Listen to this. God has a relentless desire to be with his people. Did you hear it? God has a relentless desire to be with his people. And he had to make, move heaven and earth to do it, but he would do it to make it happen. And for God to dwell with us, and we're going to look at that. This God dwells with us, and it's just so beautiful as we finish up Exodus, we're looking at God in a tabernacle with his people. I mean, it's just so beautiful how this leads right into Advent, that God is with us. The Bible begins and ends with God dwelling with his people. That's what the Bible's about, right? It begins in paradise. It begins in, in perfection. It's going to end in perfection even better in the beginning because they'll be so stable. There'll be no chance of sin. But it begins and ends with God dwelling with, the peop with his people. And the majority of the Bible, from Genesis 3 through the book of Revelation, the majority of the Bible is how God himself 
pursued and rescued his people so that he could dwell with them. That's the whole story of the Bible. You want to ask, hey, what is the, what is the theme? What is a major theme of the Bible? It's that God dwells with his people. God relentlessly pursues his people. God can't get over being with his people. He longs to dwell with them. God has created us in his image to dwell with him. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that. But when chaos did break out, when we rebelled and Adam and Eve rebelled uh, because of our sin, uh, the chaos that would come, and uh, even in our, our brokenness and our sinful estate, uh, God would continue to move toward us. Uh, he would continue to desire to dwell with us. And as soon as we sinned and rebelled against God, God makes a promise, like only God can. He says, listen, I'm going to send a seed. There's going to be one who will come. A seed is going to come, and he's going to restore everything that's broken. He's going to come, and he's going to undo all that's wrong. He's going to come, and he's going to unite us with God again. And he's going to bridge the gap. The seed is going to come, and he's going to allow us to dwell with God. He's going to reestablish that fellowship and cause us to forever dwell with our God. And we know that that seed we can see throughout a theme throughout Scripture. And it comes in the fullness of time. It's Jesus who is that seed of promise. So think of the Bible, thinking of God dwelling with his people. From the Garden of Eden, paradise, even to the temple that we're going to look at in the wilderness this morning, to the temple in the promised land, to Jesus in the flesh, to God with us and God in us, that we now as Christians are the temple of the Holy Spirit, to the new heavens and the new earth. It's the story of God longing to hang with us, to dwell with us. God relentlessly pursues his people to dwell with them. And I love this. God is the one who, who personally removes any and all obstacles that are in our way. Man-made obstacles, anything from the world, any spiritual obstacles. God himself is personally going to remove any obstacles in the way to keep us from dwelling with our God and for us to be his people. So this morning, as we conclude our sermon series in Exodus for the rescue of us all, we're going to look at the reality of a dwelling place with God, even in the wilderness. And it's amazing. When God's people were in that time of leaving Egypt and slavery and heading toward the promised land, even in the wilderness, God said, hey, by the way, build me a tent so I can move into the hood. Build me a tent so I can move into the projects. My people are in a tent. They're in the wilderness. I want to be with my people. I want to be in a tent. I want to be in the wilderness with them, with them. This is a beautiful foreshadowing of what God does in the flesh when God's son Jesus came to tabernacle with us. I'm going to show you that that's literally the word that Jesus is described as. That he pitches a tent to be with us. God's relentless desire to dwell with us. Uh, we're going to look at three things. God's relentless desire to dwell with us. God's gracious desire to dwell with us in the tabernacle. And God's glorious wonder to dwell with us in the flesh. So we're going to look at a couple of passages in Exodus. Exodus 25, verses 8 and 9. Then we're at the very end, chapter 40, verses 34 through 38. I'm going to throw in for bonus, no extra charge, Leviticus uh, chapter 26, 11 through 13. And then we're going to look at John 1 through 14. If you can't keep up, the words will be on the screen there. But let's be mindful, no matter if we're in the book of Exodus, Leviticus, John, this is God's holy and errant word. It'll never lead us astray. Hear the word of the Lord, Exodus 25, starting in verse 8. And God said, And let them make me a sanctuary, that I may dwell in their midst, exactly as I show you concerning the pattern of the tabernacle and of all its furniture, so you shall make it. God who's saying in the wilderness, Make me a tent, just like my people have. 
And then in chapter 40, uh, verse 34. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud settled on it. And the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Throughout all their journeys, journeys, uh, whenever the cloud was taking up from over the tabernacle, the people of Israel would set out. But if the cloud was not taken up, and they did not set out until the day that it was taken up, for the cloud of the Lord was on the tabernacle by day, and the fire was in it by night, in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all of their sojourners, sojournings. That's where God was with his people. Leviticus chapter uh, 26. I'm going to start in verse 11. And I will make my dwelling among you, and my soul shall not abhor you. And I will walk among you, and I will be your God, and you shall be my people I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, that you should not be uh, their slaves. And I have broken the bars of yoke and made you walk erect. And then lastly, John 1 verse 14, this word of God, the eternal word of God, it says this, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. He tabernacled, he pitched a tent among us. And we have seen his glory. Glory is the only son from the Father, full of grace and truth. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Let us pray. Oh, Father God, the incredible reality that you who is God Almighty desires to dwell with us. God, it's, it's, it's a mind scratching, blowing reality. God, when we realize who you are as holy God and who we are as sinful people, how do you desire to dwell with us? And how do you remove all the obstacles so that God and man together in unity and harmony forever? Oh God, we thank you for that kind of love. We thank you for the work of your son. We thank you for the work of your spirit that makes that possible. God, as we talk about this, God dwelling with us as we begin Advent, come and join us. Emmanuel, be with us. Be our teacher. Speak through a broken vessel like me. Oh, God, give us ears to hear your voice through all of this. And, and minds would understand your, your word if we're in Exodus or Leviticus or in John. This is all your word. Oh, Spirit, illuminate our minds and your words for us to understand. Would you give us hearts that embrace your truth? It's so beautiful that you long to be with us. And God, there's people here today or there's people watching that, that feel they're disqualified. They feel like that they're too far away. And that's not true for any of us. That God, that you long and you will knock down any obstacle to be with us. God, would you give us feet that would walk in a manner worthy of your name? And God, the things that I say that are wrong are merely my opinion. May those things be forgotten and fall away. But the things that are said that are true and contain the good news of the gospel, would you use those things to make us more like your son, our Savior Jesus? And it's in his matchless name that we pray. Amen. The first thing we see that God relentlessly has this relentless desire to dwell with us. How do we know that? From the very beginning, from the very first chapter of the Bible, God tells us as he creates all things, he hits pause in the midst of telling us of how he created all things day by day, and he hits pause to say, to, to talk among himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And he says, let us make man in our own image. Uh, let, it was, let us make man in our own image, in the image of God, male and female. It was this incredible invitation. When God makes us in his image, 
It's an incredible invitation that God gives to us and us alone as his image bearers to enter into this eternal dwelling with God. God has always existed in community. God has always had community. There's always been a Father and a Son and a Holy Spirit. They are eternal God, forever dwelling together in perfect unity and harmony, needing nothing. But God in his grace and mercy invites us into that relationship by making us in his image, that he invites us in to dwell with him. And then God would even do more. He would promise a seed to restore our broken fellowship. It didn't take long of the story of the Bible for us to rebel against God. It didn't take long for us to be banished from God's presence. And when sin drove us from the presence of God and the fellowship was broken, and here's the reality, it was no longer safe for holy God and man to dwell together. It wasn't safe. We were going to die. Sin will bring death, and it did bring death. And God would have to drive us out of his presence. But it would be God's desire to bring us back together that would relentlessly pursue us. And right in the middle of that, in Genesis 3, verse 15, is the first, they, they call it the, the uh, proto-uangalion. It's the first gift of the, of, of, uh, the gospel. And then God says, I'm going to promise a seed that will come. The seed who will come. And he says, I'm going to put enmity between Satan uh, and this seed. Uh, and Satan is going to bruise the seed, but, but this seed is going to crush Satan's head. And it's amazing in the story, even in Genesis 3.15, you get this promise. Why? Because God longs. He relentlessly pursues. He longs to dwell with his people. He says, I'm going to provide one who's going to come. He's going to restore what you broke. I'm going to come and I'm going to make right. God himself pursued his people. He says, I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm not going to abhor your brokenness. I'm going to move into your condition. Isn't that the beauty of the gospel? Now think about that. How, how do you feel about those who you deem less than you? Those on the other side of the track? Uh, how, do you, how do you look at those uh, that, that may have a different tone in their skin or different economic? Hopefully we embrace all of them. But here's the reality of the beauty of God. That he looks at us in our brokenness and he doesn't abhor us. And he says, hey, I want to move in and be with them, and I'll restore it. God's relentless pursuit of his people. And this is how the Bible progressively unfolds. It unfolds from the garden, and it's going to move from God to be with his people to the temple, uh, to the tabernacle. God with his people in the wilderness. And it's going to say when God's people arrive in the promised land, guess what? He's going to say, build a temple for me, because I want to be there with you. Uh, and we get to the reality that Jesus is the temple in the flesh, God dwelling among us. And then he's going to promise us a new heaven and a new earth for God will always dwell with us forever. It's really interesting because when the book of Revelation describes the end times and it describes where we're headed, it says, by the way, in the new heavens and the new earth, there's not going to be a temple. It's not going to be needed one. Why? Because God's going to be with us. God's our temple. He will forever dwell with us. That is where we're heading. God's grace is desire to dwell with us in the tabernacle. So here we are, we find God's people, they're in the, they're in the desert, they're in the wilderness, uh, they're eating this crazy stuff called manna, uh, God's bringing water out of rocks and things like that, I mean, it's, it's a long journey, they're complaining, they're, they're meandering, they're wandering, and God says, by the way, I want to move in with you, I want to be present, hit pause, don't you love that about God, no matter what wilderness you find yourself in. No matter when you feel like you're, you're lost and you're wandering. And God's going to say, I, I, I want to move in. And listen, I, I, I'm with you. 
I'm truly Emmanuel. And God says, I want you to you live in a tent. I want a tent. Would you build me a tent? I'm going to be very specific. <laughs> Read scripture. Very specific how you build this tent. God's going to say, I want some real specific things about my worship, my tent being built. It's not, you don't just throw it together. Uh, you got to do this. But God says, hey, I want you to, to build this, this, this tabernacle. Why? Because it's a unique place of God's presence. One thing we learn about God in scripture, that he's omnipresent. He's everywhere. There's no place we could go. Think of Psalm 139, that God is not there. But God chooses to uniquely put his presence in certain places. And in the Old Testament, when they were in the wilderness, God says, I will uniquely put my present presence in that tabernacle. That's the place I'm going to meet with you. That's the place I'm going to put my name. That's the place that, that I am going to dwell. He also will say, hey, this is a unique place for worship. Uh, this is a place you're come to meet with me. This is a place that you're to worship me. Now, he also will say, this is a place you'll uniquely see my glory. When you do it right, you're going to see the glory of God. It's going to be amazing for you to see this. And God gives us strict details of how we worship him. I mean, we've got to remember, we're sinful people that we can't invent ways to worship God. We've got to go by what he tells us how to worship him. It's dangerous to worship God in a way that he doesn't prescribe. This is what, the, what theologians will call the regulative principle that God is the one who gives us the instructions of worship, of how we are to worship the God who is. He's very strict with that. He gave us rules to follow. But he said, hey, I'm going to have a unique place for you to worship. But not only that, I want a unique place for sacrifice of your sins. A unique place. And this, this, this tabernacle will be a place of daily sacrifice. God's people mess up all day long. They're, they're sacrificing uh, goats and, and, and sheep and, and rams and I mean, this is a system in place that blood is being shed all the time. But there was one day in particular, it's called the Day of Atonement. There's one day in particular, he said, now listen, all the sins of the people, they're going to be put on uh, this one sacrifice, and I'm going to forgive the people on this one day of atonement. I'm going to declare that they will be not guilty. I gotta, I'm going to provide a scapegoat to take away their sins. So here you have this tabernacle. Can you picture it? God in the wilderness with his people in the wilderness. A unique place for his presence, a unique place for worship, and a unique place for sacrifice, for sacrifice for our sins. But then we see that that was just a foreshadow of what's to come. This is even more of a wonder that God's glorious wonder to dwell with us in the flesh. This is what Jesus has done. He says, listen, I've always desired to be with you and in your condition. Not just in the wilderness, not just in the temple. I'm going to put on flesh. I'm going to become one of you. I'm going to become one of you. Why? Because I'm going to come and live the life you failed to live. I'm going to die the death that you deserve to die. I'm going to bridge the gap that you can never bridge. I'm going to come and dwell with you. I'm, I'm, going, to, I'm going to put on flesh. I'm going to become fully man. I'm going to be tempted just like you, but without sin. I'm going to experience all the things that you experienced. I, I, I'm going to endure all the things you endure. I'm going to relate to you. I'm not going to look down on you. I'm going to call you brother. I'm going to call you brother. I'm, I'm going to delight in you. I'm going to love you. I, I'm going to walk among you. Uh, I'm going to be just like you. In certain senses, fully God, but I'm, he's also is going to obtain, maintain fully God. I mean, this is amazing. This is, this is the good news of the gospel. This is what Jesus has done for us. Now, hit pause, and let me just drive that home a little bit. I mean, what's going on in your life? What, what, are, you, what are you wrestling with in the flesh? Isn't it beautiful that God put on flesh so he wrestled with it too? 
I mean, isn't it beautiful that God wants to relate with you so much? He wants to dwell with you so much that he's willing to come from heaven to earth to, for the first time in all of eternity for God to put on flesh and walk among us? I mean, listen, hit pause. If this is just a fable and it's not, is that not the most incredible story you've ever heard? That God loves you enough to put on flesh and walk among you, to dwell among you and to rescue you? And so here you have the gospel of John that's going to tell us in the beginning, the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And he was with God in the beginning. And listen, all things that were created were created through this word. There was nothing that wasn't created that wasn't created by this word. And he is the light and life of men. And it just goes on to verse 14. It says, and the word became flesh. He pitched a tent. And this is mind-blowing. You know that they're thinking about the tabernacle. They're thinking about the temple. They're thinking about God dwells with us. That Jesus says, I'm going to pitch a tent. I'm going to put on flesh. I'm going to come dwell with you. I'm going to come dwell with you so that you and I could forever dwell with God. As Jesus comes and he literally, the Greek here is he tabernacles with us. He dwells with us. He puts on its tent with us. He becomes, it's, it's interesting, Jesus becomes and acts like the true temple. I mean, the temple was a really important place for the Jewish people. I mean, that's the place, remember, the unique place that God put his name, unique place that God offers worship and sacrifice. And all of a sudden, Jesus personifies it all and says, I'm the true temple. I'm the true temple. You want to know God? It's right here. You want to meet with God? It's, 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 it's right here. He is the incarnation and the personification of all that the temple means. Wow. Wow. All, all that the temple means. And all that the temple was supposed to do all finds itself in Jesus. Jesus was the actual embodiment of the temple of God. And all of their, all of their uh, requirements or functions, they find their fulfillment in him. He is the one that we lift our eyes up to. I lift my eyes up to the hills where does my help come from? Psalm 121. My help comes from him. My help comes from him. He's the one who I lift my eyes up. He is the place where God uniquely dwells. He's God in flesh. He is the place where God and man dwell together in harmony. That temple's not the place. He is the one who's the mediator, the true high priest. He is the place. Now watch this. Jesus is the place where, where sins are atoned for. He's the one. It's not in the temple. It's on the cross. It's on the cross he would become our sin. He is the place that we are forgiven and pronounced free. He is the place of our strength, our identity, our power for God's glory as his people. He's the place where we see the glory of God. It's right in John 1, behold, look at this Lamb of God. And in him we see the fullness of God's glory. Just like you saw the glory of God in the tabernacle, you saw it in the temple. We saw it uniquely in Jesus. He is the place where God's glory dwells. And he absolutely freaked out the religious folks. And I love him for doing this. They're all admiring the temple, saying, man, that's a beautiful place. Look at what, look what we built. Man, this is fantastic. God told us to build this temple. We got the temple of the living God here. This is fantastic. Look at how good we must be. We're better than you. We got the temple. And Jesus says, hey, destroy this temple in three days. I'm going to raise up, raise it up again. They're like, what? What are you talking about? Yeah, destroy this temple. Three days, I'm going to raise it up again. And they want to think, they're looking and thinking, you can't destroy this and then raise it up in three days. Are you crazy? You can't do this. This took years to build. There's no way. And what was he talking about? He goes, that's not the true temple. I'm the true temple. You want to meet with God? You go through me. I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. You want your sins forgiven? You don't find it there. It's not going to 
Listen, the blood of bulls and goats aren't going to take away your sins. The blood of God is going to take away your sins. You want to dwell with God? You've got to dwell with me. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. There's no other way to the Father except through me. You, take, you destroy this temple. In three days, I'm going to raise again from the dead. And I'm telling you what, I'm going to defeat death. I'm going to bridge the gap. I'm going to give you life and life abundantly. Because I'm the true temple. I came to tabernacle with my people. You see, Jesus is the great I am. He's the one who's fully God and fully man. He's the one who says to Thomas in John 14, Hey, Thomas, man, if you've, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I mean, it's, it's, it's like there's a oneness here. Do you not realize you're, you're looking at God in flesh? So now, if, if, we, uh, if, we, if we, by God's grace have embraced Christ as our Savior. You know, it's an amazing thing about us Christians now that we are the unique place for God's worship. We're the ones who say, hey, we've embraced Christ as Lord and Savior. He's our Savior. We're, we're the unique place where, where God dwells. Uh, we are the unique place for a, a sacrifice. Uh, a sacrifice should be now our lives. Our lives should be a living sacrifice to him. We're the unique place where God's presence dwells. Scripture will tell us that now we are, our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We're the place that God dwells with his people, and he loves dwelling with us. He loves us. He's rescued us. And he wants the world to see his glory through you and me. This is incredible. The story of the Bible is a story that God longs to be with you and me. And the story of the Bible is that God is going to remove any obstacle from his people to keep that from happening. I mean, he's going to bridge it all. So don't sit there and say, oh, I'm disqualified. That's bull. None of us are disqualified. Christ is enough. His life was enough. His death was enough. His resurrection was enough. God has united us again and made us one uh, with our great God. We can dwell with him, and that's what we're going to do for all eternity. And now when the world wants to see the glory of God, you know who they should see him through? Through us. Broken sinners living for him and his glory. Through us, a place that loves and worships him. Through us, and now our lives are a living sacrifice to him. Yes, we're still knuckleheads. We're broken sinners, stumbling all the way home. But God's grace is seen with his love and mercy for sinners like us. He'll never let us go. Because Christ is enough. You know what we are? We're storytellers. We're storytellers of a God who just can't give up on his people. We're storytellers that God longs to dwell with us. Just like he did, he said, hey man, you're in the wilderness, I want a tent too. You're in the promised land, a temple, you're in the promised land, build me a temple, I want to be there too. A God who says, I always want to be with you. So I made you in my image, and I redeemed you by the blood of the Lamb, I filled you with my spirit, now go be a storyteller. Be the place where God's glory dwells. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you desired to be with your people in the wilderness. I love what it says. You didn't despise their weakness. Gosh, you had every reason to. You would humble yourself. You would hang out in a tent. But God, you did so much more. You came in the flesh. And what brought you here? Love. Love for sinners like us. What kept you here? Love. Love for your father and fulfilling his law. What, what drove you to the cross? Love. Love for sinners that were separated from you. What allowed you to go into the tomb? Love. 
so you could conquer death, what made you be resurrected, and the power of love so that we could forever dwell with you. Oh God, this is the good news of the gospel. And now amazingly, you tell us that if we're yours, that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are the place that you uniquely dwell. We are the place that you are uniquely worshipped because Jesus is our King and our Lord. And you are the place that we now are to offer a sacrifice, a living sacrifice, Romans 12 says, of our lives. May we do so. And may we be the storytellers that the world knows of a God who longs to dwell with us. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.